following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Well, good morning and welcome. Getting used to this COVID stuff is no picnic. <laughs> I'm sitting there trying to sing and worship with the songs and realizing if I don't stop doing that a little bit before we end, I won't be able to see you because with the mask, my glasses just fog up. <laughs> but then when I take them off, I can't read the words. So if it's not a song, I remember the lyrics, I'm in trouble. I'm telling you. Um, as bad as it is, uh, we are trying to find creative ways to stay together, you know, as a church, as a family, as a community. Um, I give God praise that we can worship together virtually as well as here in person, and we're glad to do that. Um, kids catch on fast to this whole reorganization of our lives by way of doing things virtually. Um, my brother down in Georgia has a Zoom license, and we get together once a month as a brothers and sisters just so that we can chat. We actually talk more now than we ever did before the virus hit because we're there virtually and watching each other on the screen and so forth. But um, but I wanted to share with you a little story about how quickly kids adapt. Um, he was Zooming with his family, with his kids and their kids, and um, being able to say hi to his grandkids and, and all of that. And, of course, all of these kids, they've all either got a cell phone or a tablet or something, and they're all, they're all watching and they're all talking, and they're in this Zoom conference. Well, Bruce is having a hard time as the administrator of the Zoom meeting because one of the grandkids, this little five-year-old girl, uh, has two or three of the other siblings around her, and they aren't quite as attentive to what's going on with the video, but they're very noisy. And so they're, they're, it's kind of disrupting the communication. So my brother Bruce decides, because he's running a Zoom meeting, that he'll just mute her, her tablet. And then so he muted her tablet, and they kept going. And then one of the other grandkids says, Grandpa, we can't hear her. And this, she's five years old now. She leans into the camera and says, um, Grandpa, it says I've been muted by the host. <laughs> he got caught. We do catch on pretty quickly, and uh, I'm thankful for that. Today I want to share with you a couple of biblical concepts that, that go together. They work well together. Each one needs the other. Our mission, as we say in our opening slide each, each Sunday morning, making and maturing disciples together as a family. And that's what I want to look at this morning. Two different portions of Scripture, two different biblical concepts, but they work together to provide what's needed for us to make and mature disciples together as a body of Christ. The first one is a Greek term called koinonia. Koinonia is uh, appearing in the New Testament scriptures, depending on most translations, about 19 times. As many Greek words, it often gets 
interpreted in different ways. But listen to the four different ways that I've found in the New Testament Scriptures. Koinonia, fellowship, sharing, participation, contribution. Those are all terms that are translated by koinonia. Theologian Ron Sider describes koinonia this way. He says, for the early believers, koinonia was not the frilly fellowship of church-sponsored bi-weekly outings. (laughs) It's not tea, biscuits, or sophisticated small talk in the fellowship hall after the sermon. It was an unconditional sharing of their lives together with other members of the body of Christ. Now, it's... um, it's been several decades since um, since we sang together, but for a while, um, Ken Ken Jones and myself and and my wife Peg uh, sang as this little trio called Koinonia. Um, and I don't remember if it was Ken or Peg or a combination of the two that came up with the lyrics of this. They wrote their own song, and then we went out different places and ministered in music with this group, Koinonia. But I wanted to share with you some of the lyrics of that song. Um, If Ken were here, I'd have him try to sing it, but Ken, you can sing it at home, okay? (laughs) But here's some of the lyrics, because the lyrics really speak to the heart of what Koinonia is defined as. It's the love of my sister reaching out for my hand, telling me that I'm not all alone. It's the freedom of my brother to say, I love you, and take all of my cares as his own. It's the laughing and the loving and the lifting up in prayer, sharing the good times and the bad. It's the building of each other up in the Lord above, the best kind of friendship that to to be had. It's knowing there's a problem without needing to be told. It's praying without needing to be asked. Being part of God's answer by the lending of a hand. Staying till the troubles all have passed. It's the praising him together when the victories abound. Finding joy in somebody else's eyes. It's the bonding together in the love of the Lord. The only place true fellowship abides. See, koinonia is this selfless immersion into other people's lives. How we need to strive for that, especially in the midst of a pandemic, you know, finding creative ways to do that. And so I'm going to share with you some scripture, one that talks specifically about that from, uh, excuse me, from Acts chapter 2, verse 42, I think, um, I think Daniel can put it up on the screen for you. It's also on page 911 in the Pew Bible, if that's helpful for you. This is just one of those 19 scriptures that speak about koinonia and, and that Christian fellowship. And in Acts it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, And awe came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking breads in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This selfless immersion into each other's lives that we're told about a part of the early church had added benefits in the addition to caring and sharing for each other. The added benefit I want to share with you is the other portion of Scripture that ties together with koinonia. The idea that we are helping each other as we blend together as a Christian family is further sharpened from Proverbs 27:17, And you've heard this verse many times, I'm sure. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Some translations say, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another's character. The knife doesn't stay sharp by itself. The knife doesn't stay sharp with just one sharpening. So I'm going to take a look this morning at what is this iron sharpens iron? Because I believe it's a deeper step of koinonia. Koinonia is, um, it seems to me, more fluffy. You know, it's this, this idea of getting along and loving each other and sharing things. And, and that's great. But Scripture says it needs to go deeper. You know, iron sharpening iron goes beyond the kind of fellowship that we read of in Acts 2. And I believe there are some principles behind it. The concept of iron sharpening iron. First of all, I, I call it the principle of relationship. Iron doesn't sharpen iron if the two people involved don't have a good and close and loving relationship with each other. So we need, to, we need to look at that and understand that's part of our responsibility. The concept of iron sharpening iron obviously implies that there are at least two pieces of iron. Oh, I, know, I, thought, <clears throat> I thought at first of, of my kitchen counter, and whenever I take a knife out that I'm going to use to, to cut food, um, I take the sharpening stick, which is, a round rod of iron that's kind of knurled around the edge, and I rub the knife against it, and I get the knife sharper. Um, but this iron sharpening iron really was talking about two hardened steel blades, and each blade was being used to get the other sharp. I don't sharpen my round knurled rod. I only sharpen the knife. But God says we're supposed to use two blades to help sharpen one another. It would be impossible for one tool to become sharper without the presence of the other. Left alone, both both blades would be dull. Both blades eventually would get quite useless. That simple proverb illustrates the importance of the biblical principle. God expects us to live and serve in a community of believers. We're supposed to live and serve together as the body of Christ. And that's more than a Sunday morning. That's more than watching for an hour or an hour and a half uh, on a YouTube or, or a Facebook clip. You know, it's more than that. 
Hebrews 10.24 says, Let's consider how to stir one another on to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, he desires us to build loving and growing relationships together. Paul expressed it to the Thessalonians this way in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. He says, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. That's what God expects of us, building a relationship with one another because we're very dear to one another. The process of helping somebody else improve their effectiveness absolutely requires a positive interactive relationship. That's why it's so important for each of us to build growing relationships with others in life. Primarily within the body of Christ, within the local church, but also extending beyond that. If you have a friend or a loved one that you know needs to know the Lord, if God's going to use you to minister to them, and he is if you're willing, because if he's put them on your heart, he's already leading you to go and speak to be a witness for him. But if that's going to happen, you have to build a loving relationship with that person. We all need people who can help us rub off the hard edges who honestly have our best interest in mind when they do it. And and I know after decades in ministry and Christian life, when these sharpening conversations, even with loving friends, come, uh, they can come across harsh or mean or judgmental, but, you know, it definitely helps. If you know these people care and they've got a genuine interest in helping you get better and improve, kind of takes the edge off. As I build those kinds of relationships in my life, one of the first things I want to communicate to that partner in Christ is that they have permission to speak freely to me. And that what they share with me stays with me. We'll pray together. We'll grow together. It's much less offensive when a brother talks to you about an issue that he's concerned with in your life if you've asked him to hold you accountable and you've given him permission to speak to you. How are you going to get mad at that? (laughs) Another principle that's a part of iron sharpening iron is what I call accountability. Personal commitment to allow significant others to look close enough at our lives that they can see weaknesses that they can see problem areas. Genuine accountability means the person receiving the counsel is willing to allow friends to look for vulnerabilities in their lives, to accept what they point out, to do something to fix it when they hear it. And these two principles are important to apply together. We need close relationships with people we respect and people we trust. And we need to give them consent to identify areas that are weak in our lives so that then we can address them 
The principle of accountability must mean that helpful and real conversations grow out of growing and loving and constructive relationships. Thirdly, listen to that proverb again as we look at motivation. Iron sharpens iron so that one man sharpens another. That proverb contains an object of the sharpening action. One person can be used by God to help the other. And the, uh, the incentive here is meant to be mutually beneficial. See, iron sharpening iron isn't intended for only one blade to get sharp. <laughs> it's a two-way growth together in the Lord. Both pieces of iron must work together if they're going to accomplish what God desires. And that was the motivation, that both items need sharpening. And that leads us to a valuable component of growing close personal relationships. Relationships aren't relationships if it's a one-way street. You You don't grow if there's only one that's looking to be guided, corrected, molded, or fashioned. God-honoring interpersonal connections are designed so that both parties grow in Christ-like maturity. And again, the process is not just pointing out perceived weaknesses. This sharpening has got to come from a, a desire in your hearts to help each other in the process and receive the benefit that leads to personal improvement on both sides of the equation. Iron sharpening iron. The final principle I see there is that it works in cooperation with motivation. And that is both parties should want what's best for each other. To build on that concept, there's an additional step. Whenever a good and friendly uh, a person wants to help us grow and it's obvious that they truly want what's best for us, then it's important. No, it's imperative for us to accept their counsel, their advice, their constructive criticism with an attitude of willingness and acceptance for what they're telling us. It's also to our benefit to do whatever specific things we need to do in order to improve. There's times even even when the best-meaning friends can point out a weak, even dangerous trend in our lives. However, that person, no matter how close a friend they are, may not understand or know what exact things that should be done to fix the situation. That's why the whole process ought to be driving us back to the life-changing truth of what God's Word says. I don't want you to misunderstand and think that God is going to somehow empower this close friend with extraordinary wisdom, and they're going to guide you through this process. No. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts, and the Word of God is the one that does the sharpening. So the counsel you give and the counsel you receive, it's got to be based on the Word of God. Don't rely on that brother and say, well, I need to do this because he's a strong Christian. He's known the Lord for a long time. I'm going to rely on what he says. Not unless it comes from the Word. What He says doesn't matter. If it's not what He can tell you that God says, that's the important part. 
The iron sharpening iron process is indeed a helpful and even convicting part, but we've got to value highly and build godly and growing relationships with the other followers who are going to exhort us to a closer walk with him. But these relationships and resulting conversations and discussions, they've got to drive us back to the word. It's got to be what God says. How important these principles are now, especially as we navigate through the whole COVID pandemic process. And you know, a knife that is blunt, it still continues to be a knife. It's just less effective and less apt to be used in service. So my question to you this morning as we look at these scriptures is, do you have any irons in your life that are helping to get you sharper? Are you indeed blessed to have at least one friend that you can count on in a loving and constructive uh, process of criticism? You're willing? That's one of the reasons that I treasure uh, Fridays with breakfast and prayer with pastor. If you don't have such an iron sharpening friend, then you ought to look for one. And don't start looking by yourself. Let it begin by sitting down in your quiet time and your prayer time and talk to the Lord. Who is it, Lord, that you have pushed in around my circle that can be of a help to me? Rely on the Holy Spirit to lead you as you seek for a person who will be that iron sharpening friend. Stay connected with the body, even though we're apart. Now, even those that are here, we're six feet apart. And, uh, and, and I have to, as even, even after fellowship and we start to have some communication together, I still have to go, what? <laughs> you know, I have hearing aids in both ears and we both have masks on and they're still, but you know, through that, you can hear each other. You can find out what's going on. Stay connected. I'm thankful to the men and women who came and helped in that incredible time of moving yesterday. Um, just a blessing. Um, both facilities required everybody to keep their masks on, and we're, we were able to get in and out of this apartment and load, you know, a bed and three, four, three, four bureaus and a bunch of furniture and a couch and a stuffed chair and, and all that stuff. Um, but we were able to do it side by side with a sister that we love. It's a part of that staying connected. Koinonia needs to happen before you can sharpen iron. And that little move with a handful of people, that was a part of it. Some of you here might have gotten one of these a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you did. But after church on Valentine's Day, uh, one of the uh, Leslie kids was running around. They had made the, it obviously wasn't a last minute thought. Uh, these are, are uh, handmade and colored and laminated and cut out. And they went around passing out little hearts, the kids did, uh, to folks in church on Valentine's Day. They were showing you how staying connected happens. Use your church directory to make connections. You know, pray. Have you ever used that church directory as a prayer guide? 
You know, to sit there and say, okay, I'm going to take four or five of these folks each day this month and just sit and pray and think about the situations they're in, where they're living, what's going on in their lives, and how I can pray for them. I've discovered the U.S. Postal Service still delivers notes and cards. Even to Nate and Becky's house now. (laughs) Because they lost their mailbox a week or two ago. Emails are still available. Phone calls and texts, they still connect us. Facebook allows private messages. You can talk to your friend, and believe it or not, the rest of the world isn't watching what you post. If you take the private messaging route, get beyond what you made for dinner. Mask and six feet of social distancing, they still allow us to communicate. We are, uh, we are masked up and socially distant here. Um, but I was blessed this morning just to watch the plumbers and their baby. And here's Dad holding the baby. I don't want to embarrass you, Mike, but dancing to the songs. <laughs> He's raising that child in the midst of worship, showing family of God. What a beautiful thing. Remember, koinonia, selflessly emerging into the lives of others. We've got to find ways to do that. Whether you're here with us today physically or whether you're worshiping with us virtually, let's commit this morning to lean on Jesus for some closer personal relationships to him that we can teach one another, that we can sharpen each other for the sake of the kingdom. Let's let iron sharpens iron and watch what God can do. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of being a part of your kingdom, to being a part of your fellowship. And it is our heart's desire today to draw closer to you, And we know you teach us from your word that it requires a closer connection to one another as we draw closer to you. So, Lord, teach us your ways. Motivate us to get to know one another better. Single out, Lord, those individuals in our circle of friends right here in the Crossroads family that you would use to help sharpen us as we desire to serve you better. We will give you thanks through Christ our Savior and friend. Amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.